we're going to be speaking with one of the founders of Victories. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to another episode of Men on Point, a Victories podcast. My name is DJ Paris. I'm your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with the man that started it all, Bob Mark, one of the co-founders of Victories. And we're going to be talking about Bob's journey in his own work, why he created Victories, and how he sees us progressing into the future. This is a really great episode. I'm so excited you're here to experience it with me. And as always, if you are new to Victories or you just want to see what Victories, or you're not new and you just want to see what we're all about or see what events we have coming up, visit our website, victoriesformen.org. All of our weekend programming, our support groups, how to connect with us, and all the different uh, you know opportunities we offer for men to do their work are on that website, victoriesformen.org. Reach out to us if you would like someone to give you some guidance and advice about how to start with Victories if you're new, or if you are maybe were with Victories and drifted away and want to reconnect, reach out to us as well. We'd be happy to get you back into the fold. But anyway, let's get to the main event right now, my conversation with Victories co-founder, Bob Mark. Okay, today our guest on Men on Point is, this is a very special episode for us. We are very fortunate to have one of the founders of Victories, Bob Mark, on the show. So let me tell you a little bit more about Bob, and then he's going to share more of his own journey and how he developed Victories and and how he sees it today. But before we get to that, let me introduce Bob. So Bob is the co-founder of the nonprofit now known as Victories, formerly Victories of the Heart, a men's personal growth organization, which was initially based in Evanston, Illinois, starting in 1985. Now, Bob is is now retired, but while he was working, he was a psychotherapist, teacher, and author, and also had a very successful consulting practice working with senior executives of Fortune 100 companies, especially as a teacher but in all of Bob's work, he emphasizes creative thinking regarding entrenched ideas. And we'll ask him more about that in a bit. Um, Bob studied at York University in Toronto, and he led the first graduate program in environmental studies. When he moved back to Illinois and Evanston, he studied and taught at Northwestern University's Family Institute, where he met uh, a Victory's co-founder or, or for future Victory's co-founder, Buddy Portugal. And Bob and Buddy started the precursor to Victory's, which was known uh, back in, in the mid-80s as the Men's Room. Um, the two of them wrote a book based on the experiences of the Men's Room called Victories of the Heart, which the organization adopted for its name, uh, which was later shortened to Victory's. Uh, Bob and Buddy initiated and developed programs including the Breakthrough Weekend, the Shadow Weekend, and the wisdom years. And Bob has been responsible for over 7,000 men who have gone through the Victories programming since 1985. To learn more, if you are new to the organization, please visit victoriesformen.org. We will have a link to that in the show notes. Bob, welcome to the show and thank you for creating all of this for us. Uh, My pleasure. And I want to edit some of what you said. (laughs) You said a lot. And um, let me just tweak a couple of things. Sure. Um, my education was at um, Northwestern University for my undergraduate, graduating in 67, 68. And then the University of Illinois for a master's, Michigan State for a doctorate, from which my wife and I at that time, no children, headed up to York University in Toronto, where I taught in a cross appointment between psychology and a master's program in environmental studies. And you may want to know, and I would hesitate to tell you uh, how I managed to get the cross appointment. Uh, After a couple of years there, we came back to Chicago, to Evanston, when a year after our daughters were born in Toronto. So that would have been, 
83, 84, we came back. I was teaching at the Family Institute, downtown Chicago, not at Northwestern, but part of Northwestern. And um, as part of that, I was doing some supervision work and I was bringing in speakers. I was the head of their speakers platform for the Family Institute at Northwestern downtown. And uh, the long and the short of it is that I left Northwestern, opened up a private supervision group on the third floor of our home that I co-led with Joe Leaf. And in the first year of running that, which would have been 1981, I believe, ah, uh, <laughs> Buddy Portugal came to join us in, as a member of the group. We had seven or eight people in the program, in our program. And this is the story of the origin of the men's room and victories. Um, we had somebody come in to help us run uh, an extra little program. And so we had a pair up and we were an odd number. I think we had seven people and two leaders. And Buddy chose me to work with. So we sat down knee to knee. We were the first ones to go. And the person who we had brought in said that what we needed to do was find something that we could give and get from each other that would be important to us. So Buddy, who was renowned for his hair, he had a beautiful head of hair. And he sat there and he looked at me, not much different than now. And he said, well, I know what I want from you. And I said, what's that? He said, I want your brain. And that kind of stumped me and I stalled for a moment and I thought about it and I looked at him and I said, I want your hair. <laughs> so there was a lot of laughter and that prompted the two of us to get together for breakfast on Friday mornings for a year. And during that time, our talk with each other led us to a moment after a year of doing that at the same day, Friday morning, seven o'clock, we met each other and said, I've got an idea. We each had an idea. And he had written down some thoughts about men together, working through problems and all of that. And I flipped over a sheet of paper with the name, the men's room, where men go to get unzipped with each other. Okay. I love, the, I love that name, by the way. Yeah, so did I. So did we. Um, guys had a little bit of problem who became leaders of the program. They... <laughs> They wanted us to do something else. And then it became what it became, which was uh, Victories of the Heart, because Buddy and I had written a book, Victories of the Heart, and they decided to use that as the name in order to uh, get away from what they wanted to get away from, whatever that was. <laughs> Take so it out of the bathroom into, <laughs> into, the, uh, into the some open. other room. <laughs> Right. What what was the initial aim? You and Buddy were meeting weekly. You you were have you know going over ideas, working on. Um, was this the book at the time, or was this really working on programming that you would eventually, uh, you know, be doing more of with with men? Actually, neither of those. It was about us talking about our life growing up. And we would share and we were in the we would share from the identical place. One or the other of us would come to the breakfast saying, I want to know about your relationship with your older brother. We each had an older brother or I want to know about your relationship with your father or whatever it was. And we would spend breakfast talking historically, revealing ourselves, opening up. And that led to the sense that you know, men don't really open up. Uh, they're pretty closed. And we realized that we needed to find a program to really get men into their hearts and into their full disclosure 
so they could have better relationships with parents, spouses, kids, et cetera. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm curious, I'm just going to fast forward to today for a brief moment, because I'd like to get your thought on something that that I, I think you sh- can and should take a, a bit of credit for, which is I now see in the zeitgeist, I see parents today talking about child their child's feelings with their child uh, much more than I suspect ever before. And organizations like Victories and, and others have really encouraged a whole generation of parents to to have to create a safe environment for children to not be ashamed or or afraid of of certain feelings. Um, I'm curious if you've seen that trend as well. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think it's you know if we could um, add numbers to the people, the parents that do that, we will increase dramatically the mental health of America and of other places. I mean, it's really the mental health of our kids that's so important. Yeah, it's and it's never been, I think, more complicated with the with technology and, and, and kids just having a lot of access to a lot of stimulation these days that uh, they didn't have prior. But I'd, I'd like to jump backwards in time for a moment back to your, your meeting with Buddy. You're talking about things that are important to you, uh, vulnerable things, intimate things that maybe you weren't getting in other, you know, relationships with men or, or friendships. Uh, I certainly can can relate to that as well. I, I started having those deeper conversations after going through a Victories weekend myself, and and then bringing those con- those somewhat some of those conversations to my existing friends and finding that we could have those conversations. But um, going back when, when you started uh, having those 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 intimate. Uh, sort of Sunday breakfasts with with Buddy. What did that do for you? Um, how 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 was that benefiting both of you? Well, it certainly uh, improved each of our conversations with our spouses, and uh, not only that, but in talking about our fathers and ourselves, um, it really opened up. Our fathering. I mean, my kids at the time were uh, nine, eight, nine, and um, you know, I think I had a pretty good relationship with them. But I think it improved it dramatically, and they are remarkable uh, women today. As a result, I think of a lot of not just me, but uh, my wife, who was wonderful, wonderful, and our ability, my wife's and my ability to communicate better. Um, you know, I, I think that the pressure of men, and it was often at that time, we're talking about the late 70s, early 80s, uh, men needing to earn a living more than women, although it wasn't exclusive, but the demands on men to improve the quality of life by their incomes was very powerful. And and it caused a lot of men, uh, that and the war and all kinds of other things, to shut down, to, to be a clam, you know, real tight and not share much. And our conversations opened us up because we were dealing with that. And then from there, you started thinking about how do we how do we get other men involved in this same sort of experience? And tell us how you eventually developed sort of the first weekend programming and 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 what the intention of that was and, and how that went for you. Well, um, it was originally called the men's room. And that was actually not 1985, it was 1983, but you know, we're only, uh, it's not important, okay? But it was called the men's room. And what we did was we managed to gather, I think it was about 20 men into the group room of what was then a home that Joe Leaf and I and two other therapists had purchased. And we took the wall out between the living room and dining room 
and we had a large room and we gathered 20 buddy and i gathered 20 men there for a weekend where we talked about it was called the men's room what is it that we do that needs to come out of the men's room that needs to come out into the public sphere and but buddy and i also had a belief that talking cerebrally was not going to accomplish anything okay so what we did was something beyond uh, what did they call it um psychodrama we didn't want to do psychodrama we were creating something new and so what we would do is we would listen to them talk one at a time one of the men and we would say come up here i i, I want to do something with you and what we would do is we would put our hand on their heart sometimes we would turn them around and put our hand on their back behind their heart and we would say now what did you most want to hear from your father and they would say well i always want to know if he loved me and so we said close your eyes and listen and i'm going to be your father now why wouldn't i love you maybe you never knew how much i loved you and pretty soon we were crying and they were crying and the whole room was crying okay and one after the next they'd sit on our lap they'd have us rock them and we'd get everybody up to rock them um and we do these what we called heart work experiences which was a play on hard work and it was heart work and it was hard and one at a time all of us would share and cry and hug and hope and set some goals for ourselves and at the end of the weekend they would go home and we didn't have continuing groups back then we just had the weekend yeah and then we discovered that the men would start calling us afterwards saying how great it was and is there more and what's the follow-up which really led to the beginning of the program the men's room which also became victories which led to the book and to the continuing meetings after the weekends i think i've skipped several parts <laughs> no i think i think that's a a great intro history because in thinking about the work that you were doing with other men sounds like a lot of it was trauma focused or maybe trauma is too strong but just neglect or or just what we didn't what we didn't get that we needed maybe back when we needed it and being able to do something with that and actually have a process to provide some some sort of understanding catharsis uh and doing it in the in the company of other men as opposed to suffering silently and trying to get past what mom and dad weren't able to maybe do for me um having other men in a circle say i i know how to do this or i know how to at least facilitate you getting in touch with this i think is 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 really i mean groundbreaking quite quite frankly and it's something that has continued on in victories uh you know, even to today in certain ways. Um, so I'm curious when, when you started seeing the responses that these men were having to your processes, um, I imagine that must've been incredibly encouraging. Oh, very much so. And, you know, some of the important things were Buddy and I knew that we did not um, want to do psychotherapy and we didn't want to do psychodrama we wanted to do something new and different and it was really all about bringing a group together to share the wounds that yeah. kept them uh, in hiding and so on that first weekend when we found men who would say i've got that too you know and we'd say come on up here you know and over the course of the weekend we were not doing 
psychotherapy. We were helping men open up and find others that they could connect with. And that's really the, the guts of what we've been doing for the last however many years it is. Uh, you know, I think it's 40 years, but uh, I know that they started counting once we changed our name. So, you know, whatever. Well, let's, we can officially change the count now. It, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's 40, 41 years, I guess, technically. So um, depending on, on when it, when it fell in 1983, but um, thank, thank you for, for that information. I think that's incredibly helpful. And also this idea of intimacy with other men is this sort of byproduct of being vulnerable and having a safe place where men can say, there's this thing that I have that I don't that I have a hard time with and, and other men being able to support them through it. And then the bonding experience that that just inherently creates sort of does lead itself to wanting to do more with even in that same group. Um, and you mentioned, you know, you started getting phone calls. Hey, what, what, I want to do more of this. How do we do this? And can you talk about the importance of what we now call uh, PGG in, in, in Victory's uh, Tome, uh, which is a personal growth group, which is essentially an aftercare program um, for men to continue supporting each other and doing the work um, in, in these small groups that typically are people that you may have gone through the weekends with. So there's this shared experience. Talk about the import, if you don't mind, share with us the importance of that and how um, it was, was that, it seems like that was almost um, unintentional uh, early on was to have these, these uh, ongoing groups. But can you talk about the success of those and, and what that's meant to victories? We, it is, it was unintentional initially. We didn't know that that was going to be an outcome, but very quickly we did learn that and we suggested that men start getting together in, it was mostly the North Shore, though we drew from other areas as well, but a week, and we suggested they do it on a weeknight. And Buddy and I initially went on that weeknight that they started their group with, and we did it for a couple of months. I'd say about four sessions every other, one every other week for a couple of months. And we would join them and help them get started. And uh, it proved to be so important that actually, I mean, the amazing thing to me, truly, is that the very first group that did this is still meeting. And I wow. tip my hat to all those guys. They're all over the United States now. Sure. They sure. do it with Zoom and they, once a year, I think that's all that it is. It might be twice a year. Get together the entire group in one guy's area, and they do a full weekend. So oh, wow. it, it, I, I'm getting chills thinking about it. I mean, they men do that. They continue to, and they've brought together their spouses. They know about, they've been invited to weddings now uh, from their families. It's pretty remarkable what happens. Um, and so every weekend offers an opportunity for men to decide that they do in fact want to continue and it's not continue at a restaurant. It's not to continue with a drink in your hand. It's to right. continue to really be real, open up, share, um, check in with each other be supportive. I mean, we've had guys go through surgeries. We've had men who have passed away and the entire group shows up. Whatever you can think of that can happen in a person's life, divorce, remarriage, kids getting married, these men have gone to each other's events, mm -hmm. shared with it, then gotten together and talked about how it felt. I, I can't even begin to think uh about the power that men who don't go through this what they're missing and what they miss by not going through it what they miss in terms of what they can share with their families with their wives their kids it's profound yeah it reminds me of something that 
Jordan Peterson, who who all, uh, is considered a controversial figure, and I'm not here to endorse uh, him in any way. But one thing that I, I did like that that what he said uh, in one of his books was um, basically clean up your own bedroom first before you go explore other people's, uh, you know, trying to fix other things. And and I like that because what I think you just said speaks to that. This idea of I get to have this experience of vulnerability, intimacy with other men, sharing the hard stuff which is hard, as you mentioned, the heart work is hard work. And then being able to be able to bring that back to one's family or one's workplace or one's friendships, whether you're talking about it directly or just, you know, be, be changing as a person, other people around you are going to see that and perhaps even then get curious about wanting to go on their own journey. Yeah. Let me add a piece to this that I think is very important say right here, which is um, this has been a real not-for-profit organization. Nobody, and there are many leaders, there are many support staff that come on the weekend. Nobody, buddy, not I, nobody has ever taken a penny from the proceeds for this. The proceeds are almost wiped out each weekend with room and board and whatever. Uh, nobody's taken a penny and this is not, it's not fed our psychotherapy practices. That was never an intention, certainly not. Uh, and to the degree that we set up effective small groups that continue, they don't have a need to come in to see us. We see other people that are referred to us. Right. And lastly, one, la one other thing, the men that are now leading the program, some of them are therapists. Some of them are MDs. Many of them are from all other walks of life, doing all other things, but they wanted to be at a larger contributing factor to this program. And so they volunteered. It's pretty incredible when I do think about that, that there's this group of men who have been through these weekends with these powerful experiences and not only be able to transform parts of their own life and maybe their families and the people closest to them, but then also say, hey, I want to I want to get involved with victories at a leadership level. And and again, I'm not getting paid to, to I'm not saying me, I, I'm not getting paid for this podcast either, I, I, of course, uh, because nobody at Victories gets paid, but the idea that people want to participate at, at a higher level and be a, uh, in service to other men, because while there's lots of reasons men do it, but it is pretty remarkable that there doesn't seem to be a shortage of men who go through the program and then don't raise their hand and say, hey, how do I get more involved? How do I start getting involved in leadership? Or I want to help with the marketing or um, you know, any other part of the organization. And oh yeah, I know I'm not, you know, there's no compensation for this. This is just a way that to give back. It's it's pretty remarkable. I, I volunteer in other organizations where they struggle to get people involved because, you know, it's just a, a different organization. But Victory seems to have such a profound effect on many of its members that they want to not only continue on uh, for their own benefit, but also to help others. Uh, well said. <laughs> Let's. I'd like to talk about the weekends specifically for anyone out there who, who may be listening or watching and hasn't yet gone through any Victories programming. Uh, obviously, the intention of our podcast is to educate uh, the Victories men who, who are already in our, our ecosphere about the history and, and what Bob means to the organization, but also to really uh, attract other men who haven't yet been exposed to Victories. So um, for those of you that have, have attended all the weekends, um, you know, you'll know a lot of this, but I'm curious to hear from the founder, the co-founder himself. Um, let's talk about the weekends and, you know, in, in, in a, in whatever way you think makes sense where we're, we're not giving away all, all of the exciting things that happen on the weekends, but maybe sharing some of the reasons people attend and maybe what the weekends are, are really for. Um, and I'd love to start with the breakthrough weekend, which is oftentimes somebody's first introduction to victories. Uh, good. That's a great place to start. The breakthrough is it's the title is what it does is it breaks through the rigid, sheltered, private self that so many men 
uh, and when I say men, 20-year-olds and older, um, live their lives enclosed in an iron shell. And they don't come out. They don't break out. And the Breakthrough Weekend is an opportunity to really um, open up, find out some powerful things uh, about yourself and about other men, and begin the process of uh, not having to hide. Uh, so in a nutshell, that's the Breakthrough Weekend. What it became, initially it was for a man of any age. And we, on our opening Breakthrough Weekends, uh, we had men in the 50s and 60s and 20s and 30s, whatever. Um, now it's primarily for guys who are 20 to 50. And the reason for that, and it was, this is really going to jump to the third weekend that we developed, which is, um, good. <laughs> I'm blocking. We went from the breakthrough actually to the shadow. Yeah. And then we went to the wisdom years. But I was going to talk about the wisdom years because that's for men 50 and older, the second half of adult life. Typically, the issues for the wisdom years guys are very different than the issues for the breakthrough weekend. Either set of men can go through the shadow weekend, which originally was called the dark weekend. And we can go into all that stuff. But that's a weekend that really gets to uh, the Jungian notion of the unacceptable part of ourselves that we keep hidden. We may even keep it hidden from ourselves. And so that's a third weekend. We've also developed weekends for couples. And um, that's an opportunity for um, two men or a man and his wife to come through and deal with the difficulties of communicating in a couple. I think I've summed it up. Go ahead and ask me whatever you want to know. <laughs> no, th those are great. So, so to recap, we have the breakthrough weekend, which is about breaking through a particular challenge or issue that a man is struggling with. Um, typically for, for men, uh, really of any age, but seems to attract men in, in the earlier stages of life. Then we have the wisdom years, which is for men in, in the later stages of life. How do they deal with, uh, I don't want to say end of life issues, but certainly, you know, nearing end of life issues. Well, the challenges of growing yes. older, okay. It could yes. be health. It could be loss. It could be all kinds of things. Yes. And th those challenges being unique to, to, you know, a certain, certain age markers. And so then there's also the shadow weekend, which sort of f is in a different category where it's men who really want to explore parts of them, their, their selves themselves that are uh, embar embarrassing or shameful or un unrecognized, um, certainly un unexpressed in a healthy way and getting in touch with some of those ch more challenging parts of ourselves and how do we integrate, um, with those, those parts. And, and then also there's couples, a couples weekend where people can bring their spouses or, or significant others and learn, uh, different communication strategies. And those are obviously not just for, for men, of course, men and women and uh, anyone who in a relationship can attend those as well. Um, that is, that is a big curriculum and you really architected, uh, essentially all of that and, or, or, you know, co-architected it with, with the help of others. Um, it, it must be a remarkable legacy for for yourself to see this continue on despite your retirement you're still active, of course, within victories, but I'm curious on what it means to you to see the organization, not just continue, but really flourish. Um, you know, I, 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 I have access to to some in, you know information that that goes through the the annals uh, of victories and what I never hear is we're in trouble. Uh, what I hear is we have so much opportunity to continue and grow, and how exciting that must be for you all these years later. 
Oh, it, it is, uh, DJ, it's, it's amazing for me to reflect on it, to see it uh, in vitro now, um, to experience all of that, to see the guys sometimes who come back. Uh, I have friendships that have emerged. Uh, that's not the goal, but, you know, I have friendships that have emerged from weekends and from uh, the training program. I, a small little vignette, if I may. Um, Buddy passed away uh, in 2010 at Thanksgiving, right around Thanksgiving. And um, after he passed away, he was my partner for years with that thing until 2010. And um, it, it was a tremendous loss. And I stepped out of leadership because I didn't have a partner and I didn't want to, I couldn't put myself out there during that time. A couple of years passed and Ed Ravine came to me and said, I'd like to be a leader in the program and I'd like to do it with you. And so we had some conversation. We revealed some of who we are and were at the time and we decided we would do it together. So we went to do an initial program together a weekend. And on Friday night, after we had um, put the men to bed, put, to, put the men to sleep, we went to our room and we started talking. And it was about one o'clock in the morning and we talked till about three o'clock in the morning and we were laughing and having a great time and sharing, which we do. And um, we were talking about the wisdom years and how we, I developed the wisdom years. It was at a time when my daughters had gone off to college and I was feeling depressed and went to see a therapist and sure. et cetera, et cetera. So I was talking about it and um, I told Ed that I went to Buddy with the program, okay, the wisdom years. And I said, but you're not allowed to lead it until you turn 50. So when do you turn 50? And Buddy kind of paused and looked around and he said, well, in two years, I'm 48. So I said, I don't mind waiting. I'm going to wait for you. It's fine. So I'm waiting. A year goes by and he comes to me and he says, you know, I had my birthday. That means I'm in my 50th year. So we can do it together. I said, great. So we'd set it up immediately and Buddy and I ran it. Well, that's the history. Ed says to me, as I'm telling him about it, he says to me, wait a minute, wait a minute. Buddy wasn't 48 when you talked to him when you were 50. He was 46. I, what are you talking about? And he said, look, the two of us, Ed and Buddy, were crib mates in the hospital. They <laughs> Born within days of each other. Amazing. Okay. He said, so I know how old he was. <laughs> he couldn't wait. He just couldn't wait to get it done. Couldn't wait. And I thank him for that. <laughs> By the way, I was, I wanted to say something uh, just really quickly. It struck me as, as a cute, a cute thing to know what kind of father uh, you must be to, uh, to know, I know if my father, when my sister and I went off to college, we were a few years apart. If my father was so, uh, saddened by that. And, and certainly, uh, I would love to know that, um, that he went and got professional help just to handle us not being around. I hope your daughters know that because that is one heck of a, uh, you know, a, 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 a sort of a, you know, a, a arrow in your quiver of being a good dad that, that you care so much that when they're gone, it creates this massive vacuum. And, and it's also something that men don't talk about as much as uh, people talk about, Oh, I'm sad. The kids are off to college. They're gone. But victories is a place where you can actually bring that pain and, and process it. Um, but I, but I did want to say that that's, that's the sign of a good father when he gets depressed, when the kids leave, that is a good, good husband. Here's the other part of the truth of that. I was seated in our backyard on a swing every day for a week, just rocking back and forth. 
and my wife would come out and join me and she would talk to me and tears would roll down my eyes or whatever. And at a certain point after about a week of it, she said, you know, you're not going to solve this yourself. You need to be a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, like, oh, that's right. That's right. what I do professionally. I should. <laughs> oh, we should, you know, while we're on the subject of therapy, you know, and you mentioned this earlier, but I just want to put a, a little bit of a finer point on it for anyone who is a mental health professional who may be listening, saying, hey, this sounds great. I may have some patients that could benefit from exploring a Victories weekend, but I don't want Victories to interfere or uh, step on whatever work I may be doing uh, as the professional with my client. As somebody who has been on both sides of that, can you speak to what therapists should know about when they do refer a man over to Victories? Well, I appreciate uh, what you're asking, and I, I, it's a very important question. I've been asked it many times by therapists who say, I want to refer this guy uh, to you. I'm not sure what you do, and is it going to interfere with my work? it all the time. Um, no, it's not going to interfere. In fact, what it does is it's a, uh, it augments, it uh, increases the need for the work that they're doing. It's, it doesn't interfere with it. It's additional. And often the people that were being sent by therapists, some of their men, are really stuck. And, there's, and the therapists are sometimes stuck as well. And it really unlocks it. It's been very helpful to both the therapist and the men that come through. Um, so, no, I don't think it, it gets in the way at all. And also what we try to tell therapists is we're not into taking your clients. So, you know, that's not what we do. Right. And in fact, over the years, having men be the leaders or facilitators on the weekends who are not therapists has been a real boon to the whole notion that uh, we're not doing therapy. We're helping men to get unstuck so they can go towards the fulfilling life that they want and that brought them into therapy in the first place. Yeah, I would be absolutely shocked if there was a man, and, I, and I'm sure it's happened in the 7,000 men that have gone through, but it's got to be a rare event where a man, because a lot of the men who do uh, enter the victory's orbit are sent there or, or recommended by mental health professionals. So this actually, it's our, it's our number one source of referrals, believe it or not. So I know victories is very, very careful to make sure that that whatever work the therapist is doing uh, is is separate from what Victories does, and we Victories is not looking to replace or aug or augment that relationship other than to enhance it. And I'd be shocked if a man who went who was in therapy before Victories went through a, a Victories program. I'd be shocked if they didn't continue on in therapy because Victories isn't an end goal. Uh, a weekend isn't you do this and you're you're fixed. That isn't the purpose of victories. It's to explore the ongoing challenges and, and, and victories of, of the human condition. So it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't solve the problems the necessarily that the therapist may be attempting to solve. And it actually helps complement. Yes. And we have rules that say that anybody that has led a weekend must not, uh, implore, seduce, uh, whatever, someone into treatment. You can't take them on for yourself. That's always been the way that we have existed. Yeah. it's. I'm curious too, you've been obviously there since the very, very beginning and I appreciate you sharing the history of victories. If and I know you have have taken you know more of a, of a of a elder statesman's role within the organization. As you watch and monitor what is happening at Victories and sort of you know watch it continue to to exist. Um, what where would you like to see the organization go? Is there any additional programming that that you think could be interesting, or uh, would you like to see the organization expand? I'm just curious on. And if you could wave a magic wand, what would you like to see happen with the organization? You know, we have run weekends in 
um, Massachusetts and uh, Arizona. Um, I think we ran one. We've run a couple of them in other states. And I would love to have, and I know that when we ran them in those states, we wound up with people there who have tried to open it up and continue it there, but it's a one-off kind of thing. And we've tried to be helpful. I would love to see us expand into other states. And I know there's not a lot of energy for it right now. Uh, COVID certainly suppressed that whole notion. So that's one kind of thing. Um, we have a, a gentleman who went through the program and who has been really a wonderful, uh, very helpful guy. He's older than I, and he has suggested that we develop a program for guys, I don't know, 75 or 80 and older. And I suspect that's another area, though um, I'm just not sure uh, about it. Uh, it. It is remarkable that the the three core programs, or I guess now four core programs, have endured and and evolved as well over time. But endured is is really the 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 right word, and as, seem to be as relevant today as they were when you first started. It doesn't seem that you know we've changed as much as a society to where victories programming wouldn't be as important because men are just, you know, having these kind of conversations, um, with each other naturally. We, we know that that still isn't, isn't as prevalent as victories would, would like it to be because it would actually bring more men into victories, I think. Um, but, um, I want to also just talk about, because you, you have seen men who are interested in victories and then, there's a fear response uh, that happens where they aren't ready or aren't finding the courage to set, you know, to, to actually attend a weekend. Um, I know that that is a very common experience for men who eventually come. They'll say, well, I learned about it a few years ago and I just, you know, I thought about it and eventually I decided to do it. Um, curious if you could speak to men who are in that fear phase um, what you might say to them uh, that may help them decide whether they should attend a weekend? Well, the first thing I would say, which actually we've forgotten about, uh, and that shame on us, um, is the open circle. Yes, thank you. We run a drop-in program that's free. I mean, a donation is nice at the end of the evening, but it's a drop-in place. Uh, George Rieger has been running it forever, and he's now got other people taking over uh, the evenings. It's usually on a Monday night, and it's at a church in Evanston. And it allows men to get a taste of what the programming is like. And they all, you know, they're newbies. They're Sometimes they're re repeaters, but they come, they sit down in a circle, and someone like George opens it up, shares a little bit, says, this is what we're going to do for the next two hours. And uh, let's talk about ourselves and you'll get a feel for the weekend. It won't be the weekend, but it will be helpful. Well, men who have attended the open circle, sometimes for a couple of years, you know, um, they decide to then come to a weekend, which by the way, we also have scholarships that uh, require nothing more than a man saying, I need help. And we're glad to help out on the payment of the fee for the weekend, which really is about room, board, and tuition uh, to, to cover the costs, uh, nothing else. Um, so those are two things that are important, is that the cost is very minimal. Um, that there's an opportunity to experience it at the open circle. And any one of us who are involved in the program are more than happy to talk with the man about what's going on in his life. What is he wishing for? Is it uh, a friendship? Is it, uh, what is it, you know? And we'll talk to him about how he can, if he can, 
uh, find it on a weekend what he should do. Yeah, I, I want to reiterate those those points. Thank you, Bob, for reminding me to remind or tell our audience. If you find yourself in that position where maybe you feel, well, I'd like to attend a weekend, but financially that's that's difficult for me at this moment, reach out to Victories. They uh, have a tenant that says they never want to have to turn a man away for lack of ability to pay. So they will do what they can to get you there and, and help uh, you in that time of need. And then the second part, is if you aren't yet ready to do a weekend for any reason, um, as Bob said, there is these uh, open circles. There's several of them. And in fact, there's a virtual open circle as well. So even if you're not in the Chicagoland area, we still want to talk to you. So please, um, you can visit, and I will have a link to this in our show notes, uh, so you can see the calendar of events and you can drop in on those open circles. Uh, there's there's no... Um, you know, there's there's no real responsibility other than showing up and being yourself, and no cost as well. As Bob said, there, you know, you can always donate uh, if if you'd like. But those will will give you a good sense of of what is coming uh, in in those weekend programming. And uh, you're, you're absolutely right, and I'm I'm so glad you remembered uh, or reminded us to talk about the open circle. And for anyone out there that. Also, I want to talk about Bob. People who have um, who have drifted away from victories, life of maybe they were part of a personal growth group who met for for years, even or they attended weekends and then maybe they moved away or they just got busy and life got in the way and they weren't able to, you know, continue on. But would like to jump back in because there's a part of their life that maybe feels unfulfilled. I know for me the main reason I went to an initial weekend, and I'm just saying this because it might not be as obvious to those that are exploring victories, is I went not as much to have a breakthrough, although I did have a breakthrough when I went through the breakthrough weekend, but was really to build relationships with other men in an intimate way. I noticed I didn't have a lot of intimate male relationships. I wasn't being vulnerable with my closest friends and talking about the hard stuff. And uh, that has been you know, and again, I've received a lot of additional benefit from from doing Victory's programming. But for me, the the friendships, as you alluded to earlier and mentioned, um, have become so strong. They are some of my strongest friendships that I have now. So even if you're lonely and looking to connect with other men, this is a great place to consider uh, exploring uh, just building friendships. Absolutely. Uh, I'm glad you you've said that and you gave it that personal touch, which is what's so important in all of this. Well, Bob, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you for, and I'm going to put you just slightly on the spot without any expectation, but <laughs> I wanted to ask about what you know uh, as someone who is in their 80s, who has been involved in men's work for, boy, uh, 40 plus years, um, would love to hear what do you know that the rest of us don't uh, <laughs> with respect to to living life? Any uh, advice you have for anyone listening that um, that we don't quite know yet because we're not quite in our 80s yet? Well, um, it's a big question that you're that you're posing for me, and I I want the secret of life, Bob. You got to give me the secret of life. <laughs> you know, uh, here's the deal. Slowly, I reduced the number of clients I was seeing from a full week plus extra consulting on the side. So, you know, I was, I had weeks where I was working 60 hours a week, weeks where I was working 40. And then over time, once I started into my 60s, I began reducing the number of my clients. Still kept a full three days. And I'd take some time off and my wife and I bought some property uh, out in uh, Michigan and we farmed some of it and we held special sessions there with uh, wizards and, <laughs> and others. Um, it was really great. Uh, but with time, as I approached 70, I began to ask myself, is this the time? And I think having the question is this the time 
If not, why not? And if yes, what do I need to do in order to prepare for it? So 70, 75, I wasn't ready. My clients were wonderful. I was so enjoying life with clients, with weekends and all the rest of it. Here's the, the point that I'm getting to. I realized as I was approaching 80, a year and a half away, that it would be the right time for me to retire if I had still kept my health, which I have, knock on wood, um, that I should retire while I still had the energy, the desire, uh, and I wanted to spend more time with my grandchildren. I wanted to spend more time with my children, with my wife. And I saw what happens as men get older. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard. It's life. So I decided 80 was going to be the deadline or the lifeline. And I told my clients a year beforehand, and this is the important piece for me, is give yourself and them a runway, a year to approach retirement. And what happened was I told all of them, they didn't want to hear it, they cried, and we went on. And that's good. That's all good. And over the course of the year, most of them left, they finished their work, which was great. And I wasn't accepting new clients. So as it thinned out, I began to ask myself the next question. What do I want to do? Now what? <laughs> now what? Okay. And I realized that, you know, and it's going to be different for all of us, for each of us. For me, it was, I wanted to learn how to play blues piano. So then the question was, where do I find a piano teacher that could teach me blues? So my grandson was taking piano. I asked his piano teacher, who did he know who could teach me blues piano? I knew how to play classical music, but I didn't know how to play blues. And he looked at me and he said, me. So that was answered. Then I had the next question, which was a biggie, which was, how do I not just keep my physical self healthy, but what do I need to do to restore it after all these years of sitting and listening and not doing? So my daughter was brilliant and said, I know a fabulous personal trainer for you. <laughs> so I hired her and we began doing personal training work. And so my point being is, if you've done the work that victories can show you how to do, then you got to ask yourself the question, what's missing? Yeah. What do I need? Why would I want to retire? And your answer might be, I don't want to retire. That's okay. So I don't know. Is that a good answer for you? It, it's No, it's an amazing answer because this idea of being very intentional is what I'm hearing. This, you. you made conscious, intentional decisions based on your intuition, checking in with yourself, which is a big part of what Victories does. We do it in the company of other men. You were checking in with yourself. You knew you had these uh, goals and dreams and, okay, what am I willing to do about it? And you started to take those steps. So it sounds like to me just conscious living uh, is is the and also getting your physical body in the right shape. Obviously, piano is an incredibly challenging uh, physical activity because, of course, of of how you know the, the structure of of uh, piano and to, to just sort of go through those steps is. I'm glad that you you mentioned that because you could have just said, "Hey, I now play blues piano. Isn't that cool?" And it is. But I much would rather hear the steps and the thought process that you just shared with us because it is in those steps that you are now able to do that. And I think the steps are what we oftentimes forget is, okay, what's the first thing I need to do? What's the second thing? And then all these, yeah. So let me add a piece because, I mean, there are several other pieces. Those are two. Yeah. But uh, I have been a student of Tai Chi for 50 years. I studied with Al Chungliang Wang, 
Um, you can look him up online, H-U-A-N-G. He's a master. And I spent many years with, with him learning Tai Chi. And I've taught it to some of my clients. And I've taught it to some friends over the years. So my wife and I now live in a condo. And we're at a book club meeting at the condo. And I hear a guy giving a report in the book club that he has found someone to come and teach the seniors how to do Tai Chi. <laughs> and my ears perk up and somebody asks him, well, how much is it going to cost? And I don't remember the exact amount, but it was a lot of money. Um, and I said, I, I raised my hand. My wife gave me a nudge. I raised my hand and I said, you know, I, I do Tai Chi. I can teach Tai Chi. And so the guy who had found this person for a lot of money said, well, how much will you charge us? And I said, I'd do it for free. Okay. So I now teach a group on Friday mornings of somewhere between eight and 10 seniors from our condo for free. We've been doing it for several months now. And I did the first 10 sessions for free. And then I came in and I said, look, I want to know how many of you want to continue to do this. They all raised their hands. And then he said again, but how much are you going to charge us? I said the same price. Okay. It's not about money, especially after you retire. It's about yeah. what fills your heart. Yeah. So there it is. It, it's, it strikes me and I'm sure this is not a revelation to you, but that you have been leading people for, gosh, uh, a good chunk of your life and continue on to do that even today in a different form. And I think that, you know, you're just one of those people that has that motor that I want to contribute. I want to be of service. Um, I would also really encourage everybody who has been through a Victories program to really stop and and think about how much it's impacted your life. Uh, and, and the best compliment, of course, is to tell other men about your experience so that they can maybe have a similar experience by joining Victories. But also to remember that all of this came from essentially two guys. One of those we are fortunate to to still have with us, uh, Bob, here on, on the episode. Uh, Buddy Portugal, uh, again, has passed uh, thir 13 years ago. And so Bob is, is still here. And I think it's important for us to consider um, you know, letting Bob know how victories has impacted us uh, individually. I mean, he is is the one who created it. He is still around, and this is uh, his life's work in many ways, part of his life's work. And so, please do not be shy to reach out to Bob and and let him know what victories has meant to you. Um, this was, you know, he and Buddy's vision. It it, it brought it to life. And it has endured and grown and continues to grow uh, throughout the time. And, and now you, you have a direct line to the, to the person who, who started it all. So please consider reaching out to Bob in, in a way, if, if, if you feel, if the spirit moves you, let him know um, how much it's impacted uh, your life. Or just simply let Victories know how much it's impacted your life. We, we are so thrilled to always hear about how, um, what changes men have gone through. And we may even be able to use some of that in, in marketing purposes to attract other men. So please, whether it's anonymous or, or you want to sign your name to it, please let us know um, how Victories has, uh, has helped you. And also, if you have a message for Bob personally, please let us know and we will, we will definitely get that to Bob so he can, he can continue to see how his work that started in the early 80s uh, has continues to impact men in such a positive way uh, today. Bob, thank you so much for for not only founding Victories, but spending a Monday morning with me, which I am sure in retirement, there are lots of better things to do than be with me. So I, uh, I appreciate this was, you. This was great, DJ. I loved your work. I loved being with you and uh, feeling your heart throughout this is great. Well, well, it's I, I I can't tell you how much I have grown and changed through victories that 
I'm still in therapy and I love my therapist is fantastic. She's, she's absolutely competent. And there's things at victories that I just wouldn't be able to get, uh, from individual therapy, which again, I continue to do to this day and, 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 uh, will continue to do. Um, so I really owe you and, and buddy, um, a, a huge, uh, debt of gratitude because I have friendships now that I wouldn't have had if you hadn't created this. I have a better, I'm a better, I think I'm just a better, more integrated human being. I'm a better friend. I'm a better uh, partner, better employee. And I, I'm really echoing the sentiments of so many people, not this isn't about me, um, who have gone through this and, and have had their lives impacted. So thank you on behalf of of, of the entire group. Maybe that's too egotistical to say I speak on behalf of everyone, but uh, I will do a, try it anyway, just because someone has to and, and really say thank you. And we uh, appreciate you and you are uh, so important to the organization. So uh, thank you for uh, be, being willing to go down this and we, we got to have you back because I have a whole bunch of other questions I would like to ask um, in particular about how you've seen men's needs maybe evolving over time or or what what the needs are more currently if if you saw a similar back you know sort of trends back then or if things have changed so that we'll save that for another episode but everyone who is listening please consider another victories weekend if you have gotten out of the victories ecosystem because life got in the way and you want back in and there isn't really a back in or out because we would always love to have you uh, participate, whether it's you're joining an open circle or we can find you a new P uh, PGG group. I, I have been through uh, a couple because I, I, I stayed away for, for a year. for I, I had to. I had just things going on. I came back to Victories and said, could you put me in a group? Instantly they did. So if you have you know drifted away and want to drift back, we would love to have you back and, and, uh, and, and you can continue on doing the work that Bob so graciously put together uh, 40 plus years ago. So Bob, thank you um, on behalf of everyone. And also thanks everyone for listening to this episode. We we couldn't uh, couldn't do it without you. Please do us a favor because we are a non-for-profit uh, we need your help. So the best way you can help us grow is tell a friend. Think of one other man that could benefit from listening to this great conversation with Bob, and maybe it would encourage that person to to get involved with Victory. So let let them know about the show. And again, if you are within the Victory's ecosphere, please uh, don't hesitate to reach out and let Bob know just how much his work has impacted you. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, DJ. Mm -hmm.